What's up, Duke fans, and welcome to another episode of the Duke Blue Central podcast, long-awaited episode. Tell you, it has just been a crazy holiday season, Christmas season, New Year's season for me. Been tough to find time to sit down and record a podcast, even after an epic Baylor win, best win of the season for our Duke Blue Devils. But nevertheless, we're back at you again now with another episode. And this one's kind of going to be a, a, a more general, maybe not a specific game breakdown episode. I'm actually recording this just a couple hours before Duke takes on Syracuse, I guess, in its official ACC opener uh, after uh, the first ACC game of the season, which of course was our loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, just recording this a few hours before that plan to also record an episode right after that game uh, so your inbox should be uh, popping up with a couple of new episodes uh, to kind of make up for lost time in which I wasn't able to record but uh, what I wanted to do here is kind of just do maybe a little bit of a, a non-conference checkup on uh, the Duke Blue Devils and also some of the uh, also the rest of the ACC uh, teams in the conference just kind of a checkup as we enter a full-fledged ACC season how is each team doing are they uh impressing based on preseason rankings are they disappointing uh, what do i think the standings are going to be i just think this would be a good time to do that as we kind of enter uh the official start of the acc season uh just to to break down where everybody is at this point in the year so let's talk about duke after all this is a duke podcast let's talk about where we are so obviously uh you know we've got three losses on the season thus far i i, I think had you told people that at the beginning of the year uh, there'd be mixed emotions about it, and I think most people would predict that we would have lost three of our really tough non-conference games, which would have been one of Arizona, Michigan State, Baylor, and Arkansas. And actually, only two of those losses came from those slate. So we went two and two in games I considered really tough non-conference games and then dropped a horrible, horrible game to Georgia Tech, uh, one in which Tyrese Proctor was injured within the first few minutes of play. So let's talk about Duke's season to this point. I think it just this Duke team already just right now feels like such a different team than they did early in the season. When you go back and watch highlights from that Arizona game, and it doesn't even feel like the same squad that's trotting out on the court uh, that will be going out on the court to face the Syracuse Orange tonight. And I think obviously maybe the biggest part of that, the biggest factor of that is the injury to Tyrese Proctor. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, of course, got hurt in the Georgia Tech game, which I think cost us that game. I think if Proctor, uh, you know, at that point in the season is in that game we win that game uh you know he, he scores a lot of points for us every night and i think his points would have been the difference against georgia tech and we're probably looking at a duke team with only two losses right now however uh, and i tweeted this out i think uh last week or so you know we might look back on this tyrese proctor injury at the end of the year and really look at it at the turning point in the season because since he's been out the freshmen, uh, in particular one Jared McCain, have really come alive and, and, and kind of come into their own skin at Duke. Uh, Jared McCain, I believe, over his last five games without Tyrese Proctor has averaged over 18 points a game uh, with, I believe, shooting maybe around 40% from three, which is exactly where we need him. His confidence has skyrocketed. I, I don't. He has not been this confident for any other games in the season since Proctor's been out. He's been getting more minutes. It's more time on the court, more time to jail with his teammates, and it has been nothing but positive things for Jared McCain. 
I think that could be maybe the most important person to develop on this team quickly is Jared McCann as he fills a hole that we do Duke desperately needs to have this year. Uh, uh, that of being a three point sniper and a guy that uh, you can get the ball to, you can give him a bucket. He can get himself a bucket. Uh, he can create for his teammates. He's shown to be a great passer. He's shown to actually be a pretty decent rebounder of the ball, even at his size. Great at team rebounding. His defense, you know, isn't, I guess, spectacular, but he isn't a liability out there on the court, even as much as some of the other older returners are. Uh, McCain has really come alive in the games that Proctor has gone down. So as a Duke fan and, you know, as a Duke podcast host, I feel so-so about the way Duke has played this far Uh, you know obviously going into the year I would have told you if we lose at Arkansas it's no big deal Arkansas is a great team and their home court is just going to be buzzing but how they started the year really hurt uh, my opinion of that Arkansas team and my opinion of how Duke should have played during that game Uh, you know they just lost to North Carolina the previous game before uh, and you know, had not played well to start the year. I think they, they, they lost to UNC Greensboro at home at Bud Walton Arena, and Duke was not able to pick up a win there. Now Arkansas will come out with their hair on fire, and I don't think have played a better game than when they played uh, when they played versus Duke uh, at their home court. I, I just haven't seen them play anywhere near that good or near that style uh, when they played Duke. So, of course, but Duke is used to that, and they have to expect that. you got to expect teams are going to get up to play, you know, potentially, I think, the biggest program in college basketball, maybe the biggest program in all of college sports, any sport included. Uh, teams are going to get up for that game and play differently, and Duke has to expect that. So no excuses there for losing that one. The Arizona loss means almost nothing to me. Arizona has proved to be an excellent top-tier Final Four contender-type team. A loss to them in your second game of the season, even at Cameron, uh, means basically nothing to me. I, I think that that's a great loss. It's a, it's a game where, you know, I think we go up two with uh, about two minutes left or something. Uh, Jeremy Roach hit a three off of an inbounds pass, and you know if we play defense on the next drive and get a stop, we probably win that game. Uh, we probably steal that game, even though we didn't really deserve to win. Uh, but unfortunately, Arizona was able to come up with an and one to take the lead back and didn't look there, iced the game with free throws from there. But that loss again, by the end of the year, that loss is going to feel so far away, and Arizona is such a great team, not worried about that at all. And, of course, that brings us to the other loss of the year, which is Georgia Tech. Once again, already broke that down, kind of a proctor going down, I think, loses us that game. But, obviously, a bad, bad loss that I think kind of will only continue to look worse. I don't know how confident I feel in Georgia Tech for the rest of the year. As we kind of uh, later in this episode, I'm actually going to be breaking down all of my new rankings predictions for every ACC team, where I think they stand in kind of power rankings and where I think they're going to finish. Um, So we'll go into Georgia Tech a little bit later. But I I just don't think that loss is going to end up being a great loss, and it could really hurt Duke when it comes to seeding. However, with all the benefit that it's given to our our young guys, in particular Jared McCain, we might look at uh, that loss as a blessing in disguise at the end of the year. Um, So that might be it. As for now on my Duke breakdown of how we can feel, I would say I feel so-so about the year so far. I feel a lot more confident now than I did after our loss to Arkansas and Georgia Tech. Obviously, I think that uh, we've, we've showed up. Baylor was our biggest game of the year. We did a lot of the things um, that I said we needed to do. We shot the ball from three better in a big game finally in this season. 
Duke shoots the three ball well against a good opponent. But honestly, a ton of that was from Jared McCain. I think he made four threes in that game. Uh, and to win that caliber game without Tyrese Proctor just proves the ceiling of this team and how good they are. Um, so I think that was the best game of the year. I feel great about that. Um, but obviously with the losses earlier in the season, I do think that limits our seeding. I still think Duke is probably ruled out of a one or maybe even a two seed just with how everything else is going to shake out in the ACC and some teams I think we may drop games to. Uh, I think we've probably in all likelihood already ruled ourselves out of a one seed. Uh, trying not to be too negative about that. I think Duke can still go on very much and win the national title with not getting a one seed, but it obviously makes things easier. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's kind of all my breakdown on where Duke stands at this point in the season. We'll talk about them a little bit. We'll talk about us a little bit more later. But right now, I kind of want to get into kind of my whole rankings and uh, predictions for the rest of the ACC. I actually got a chance to uh, to make a guest appearance on a, a friend's podcast of mine. Go follow him at the Clemson Tiger Wire uh, if you are a Clemson basketball fan. Uh, however, I don't know, however few of you they may be. <laughs> I don't know how many huge Clemson basketball fans there are out there but they've, they're building an exciting program there I think and if you're a big fan of them shout out to him you can go follow him on uh, Twitter listen to his podcast wherever you search that up but I had a chance to appear on his podcast um, he's obviously a Clemson fan and uh, one of uh, our mutual friends one of his friends uh, is a big NC State fan so we kind of went through our rankings of the ACC and where we see each team so I just kind of want to you know after researching uh, for that episode I kind of want to bring my thoughts to you guys of where I think the rest of the ACC stands so I'm going to go I think I'm just going to go bottom up on where I think these teams are going to finish uh, from last all the way up to first in the regular season uh, and this might also, this is going to correlate too with how good they think, uh, with how good I think they are. This is kind of like my power rankings for each team, which is also just the exact order I think they're going to finish. I'm, I'm not going to rank a team. I'm not going to rank these team 15 through one and then have them all sliding around based off where they're going to finish. This is how good I think each team is, and this is how I think they're going to finish. Uh, so I want to kind of do that, and then I made even uh, at the end of the episode, we did some predictions on the episode as well uh, of who I think as of right now is up uh, for coach of the year, player of the year, freshman of the year, regular season champs and ACC tournament champs might do that at the end of the episode as well. So stick around for that, but let's break down our rankings. Uh, so I'm just going to go bottom up 15 up for the ACC. Uh, this is going to be different than my preseason rankings. Um, this is updated as what I've seen from the team so far where I think they're going to finish. Uh, so last place to nobody's surprise is going to be Louisville. I, I think uh, <laughs> it is incredible to watch sometimes how bad Louisville is. It's And I told them this on the episode too. My biggest thing with Louisville is uh, how, how far they've fallen in just a few short years. I mean, this was a caliber program that was expected to finish top three or top five in the ACC every season when the ACC was the by far the best conference in college basketball. And they even were contending for national titles, won a national championship, I think in 2014 is, is the year with Rick Pitino. And now they are just a bottom of the barrel program that can't win, can't keep players on the team from transferring can't get big recruits uh the coaching situation is a disaster uh shout out nolan smith probably time to go somewhere else i, I wish the best for nolan uh, wherever he may go uh even if that is to stay at louisville 
but it, just Louisville, that program is just such a mess right now. Uh, it's hard for me to describe how disappointing they have been for not only the ACC but all of college basketball. The game is better when teams like that are good, when big historic basketball programs is good. Uh, so in a weird way, I'm rooting for Louisville to get back, even though I've never rooted for them in the past. Uh, of course, never root for them to do anything against Duke. But it, it is truly remarkable uh, how bad Louisville has been this season and last season. Uh, they've lost some truly embarrassing games this year. None of their stats stand out as, as something really positive to build on, and, and they are going to finish last, I think, this season in the ACC. Second to last, I believe this is 14th, I've got Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, even with the surprising win against Virginia, I don't think is a great, great program. I just think that speaks to more uh, how disappointing Virginia is going to be this year. As I, you know, I have them a lot lower than I did in my preseason rankings, um, even though I didn't fill out full preseason. I think I just did top five. I had them in there. Spoiler alert: they're not going to be in my top five anymore uh, for finishing in the regular season. Com- in the regular season in the ACC. But back to Notre Dame, I just don't see anything spectacular from them. And, and one thing you'll notice um, with a lot of these bottom-tier teams, and it separates for me bottom-tier teams from top-tier teams, is the lack of a true star. I think having a true star, even if it's just one player, really separates you from other teams in the league that uh, that don't have that guy that can just get a bucket at any time at will or don't have that guy where, you know, if you throw it to him in this spot, something good is going to happen. I think most of these bottom-tier teams just don't have that, and I, I think that's with Notre Dame. If you look, uh, if you look at their stats uh, provided by ACC Network, they're actually, I believe, the third best defensive team in the ACC. So really good defensive team, uh, but they are dead last in offense, I think, by a pretty wide margin. And in a in a time of basketball where scoring is primarily going to win games, especially in big situations such as tournaments and things like that, not that I think they're even going to be close to sniffing the tournament. Uh, uh, that is what wins you games is offense. Uh, I, I've seen too many great, quote-unquote, great defensive teams stink because they can't figure out a way to put the ball in the basket. And at the end of the day, that's what wins you games is the, the final score on the scoreboard. you got to score more than the other team, and I don't think Notre Dame's going to be able to do that at a consistent level. Uh, next up, I've got Florida State. I, I just I think if you look at them statistically – Uh, They're a bottom-tier team on both offense and defense. They give up a ton of threes, and they're really bad at shooting free throws, which is a really bad combination for a team. I I just – they statistically don't impress me anywhere. Just the the danger level of them letting teams shoot open threes is not good for winning any amount of games, and I don't think that they uh, have a a guy that really impresses me as a quote-unquote star player. That's all I got for them. Some of these teams are going to be quicker than others. Um I don't have a ton to say on every single team. Uh, as we get closer to the top, I think I can uh, can say more on each, but some of these bottom-tier teams I'm just going to go through quick. Next up, I've got Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech, I think if any of these bottom-tier teams are going to surprise me and move up in the ACC rankings, I think it'll be Virginia Tech because they have great defense, and it, as opposed to Notre Dame, they don't just have bottom-of-the-barrel offense. I think they might even be top 10 in offense, maybe like number 9 statistically, but they still have one of the top five defenses. Um, but their offense isn't so atrocious that they're not going to be able to score at all. 
Uh, so I think Tech has that going for them. Uh, they're kind of maybe this, the, the team at the bottom that has the most potential. Uh, and, and another thing I give for Tech that I can't say about nearly all of these bottom tier tool schools is that I really believe uh, that Castle, where they play, their home court advantage is almost as good as anybody's. Um, I've been personally in that arena several times for some games, uh, and it gets absolutely nuts in there. And I know with them not being that great, that could you know, affect their students and affect their crowd, how many people are showing up at games. But man, Tech's arena is very loud, really tough toys to play. I'm sure if you've been a Duke fan for any amount of years, you remember we had a losing streak at that stadium for several years in a row. Uh, even the likes of, you know, team Grayson Allen, Marvin Bagley's team lost. Uh, R.J. Barrett, now that was without Zion, but R.J. Barrett and his team, that Duke team lost to Virginia Tech there. Uh, a lot of really great Duke teams have, have fallen to Virginia Tech uh, teams that have not been nearly as talented because I think in part of how crazy that arena gets. So I think they, they have the potential to, you know, surprise upset a team like Miami or something uh, at Castle. I don't even know if Miami plays at Virginia Tech this year. But, but I think uh, their home court gives them an advantage where they could potentially pull some upsets on some big teams. Uh, next up, I have Boston College. This is the team I have the least amount to say about. If you look at them statistically, they are just middle of the road in every category. Don't have a true star. Uh, this is where I see them finishing. Don't have much to say about Boston College. Uh, next up, I have Syracuse, who hopefully this doesn't uh, bite me in the butt. We play Syracuse just in a couple of hours here. Um, but here's what I think separates Syracuse. I do think after Boston College, I draw a little bit of a line from, okay, Boston College and below. So Boston College, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Notre Dame, Louisville, I think it's kind of the bottom tier teams in the ACC. I would say these next couple of teams are maybe the middle tier teams, uh, kind of a step up. And I, I think a big part of that is because uh, some of these teams actually have a star. And I think Syracuse has that star uh, with Judah Mintz. I think he is a, a great player. I think he, more than any of the other teams on this on the lower on the list uh, is a guy that you can you can get the ball to in certain spots and good things are always going to happen I actually like the way they've played defensively it's interesting to not see them play its own uh, if I was a Syracuse fan I'd actually be pretty optimistic about the future I think uh for a team that is coming off losing a coach like Jim Beheim, uh, I've been encouraged by what I've seen by Syracuse, uh, and I'm not too, too worried about them for the future. Although this year, I just don't think they have the talent to get a lot of stuff done, even though they have that one star. Uh, so that's where I see Syracuse finishing. Right above them, I've got Georgia Tech, and I'll admit that you know a lot of other lists have Georgia Tech lower than this. I am going to give them the slight edge, maybe a homer pick, because they were able to beat Duke at home. And I think part of that is because the biggest thing that stands out for Georgia Tech is their rebounding. Uh, they're one of the best rebounding teams in the ACC. I think maybe top three even. Uh, that is about where all of their great stats stop. They're kind of middle of the road on everything else. But a great rebounding team can give team fits. They gave Duke fits when Duke could not rebound the ball very well against Georgia Tech. Uh, and I think 
when you rebound effectively like them, if you have a good shooting night, uh, they have the potential where they can beat anybody. They did it to us. Uh, even though we didn't have Proctor, there's still a ton of talent on this Duke roster, and because they were able to effectively rebound the ball, uh, they were able to beat a team like Duke, and I think we're potentially not the last team they're going to beat like that. Uh, so that's where I have Georgia Tech right here in the middle tier of ACC teams. Next up, I've got Pitt, coached by beloved uh, Duke alum, Duke legend Jeff Capel. Pitt takes on Carolina uh, tonight also, right before the Duke game at 8 o'clock. So we'll be rooting for Pitt today. Uh, but I, Pitt, it's I really like Coach Capel and kind of the culture that he's building there. And I trust their ability to win big games. And When I was deciding where to put Pitt, I had a lot of debate. I knew they were going to be kind of a middle-of-the-road ACC team. Um, but I didn't know whether to put them kind of below some of these Syracuse, Georgia Tech teams uh, or put them above. And I think what made me determine uh, that I could rank them above some of these other teams is that I trust Pitt's ability to win big games more than I do any team below them. Just with the combination of coaching and talent that they have, you know, how surprised are you if they upset Carolina today or if they beat a team yeah, like a Duke, like a Miami, one of these uh, better teams in the ACC. I, I don't think it's as surprising with a Pitt team, uh, just with the level of play that they have and the level of coaching that they have. Uh, I just trust them in big games. They might drop a few silly ones. They've already dropped some big ones here uh, early in the season, but I think uh, they'll show up against big competition and will pull off some upsets this year, similar to how they did last year. I don't think they'll be uh, a good of a team last year as they are, uh, or this year as they were last year I think it's going to be tough for them to make the NCAA tournament uh, but with that coaching and with the the certain level of talent they have I do think they can show up and perform uh, against top tier ACC teams and that's why I've got them there uh, next team up on my list is NC State NC State, we're still in the middle of the road here. I think I've got NC State and one other team that I consider kind of mid-tier ACC schools. Uh, the good thing about a NC State, they, they have a wacky roster this year, and I learned a lot from uh, talking uh, talking to my friend on the other uh, on the uh, Tiger Wire podcast I was able to be a guest of. Uh, but they are, they're an interesting team because they're almost compi- comprised fully of old transfers, and you can kind of tell. Uh, you can kind of tell they're old players because they really don't turn the ball over and I think is the reason uh, that they've been able to be have the success they've had is because they don't play stupid they're not I don't think they're a team uh, that is going to lose to like a bottom of the barrel ACC team on most nights because of the disciplined nature of their play Um, now another part of that is I don't think they have a true star, and uh, I I think most NC State fans would agree with me there. NC State has uh, seemed to be a team that will have one or two really, really great players. Last year, of course, it was Trevion Smith and Harold Joyner. They don't have anyone like that on the team this year, and I think that's what hurts them. But I think they are old and experienced enough that they're not going to drop enough stupid games because they don't turn the ball over, because they pass the ball well, because they have good inside presence. with some of their guys and even some of their guys coming off the bench, I don't think they'll drop enough stupid games uh, to be any lower than this, uh, but I don't think they have enough star power or scoring power to be higher than this, so that's where I've got them. Right above them, I think this is seven seventh place in the ACC. Uh, this is going to be kind of my last what I consider mid-tier teams. Uh, after this, I consider these guys to be what I what I would think to be the upper echelon of the ACC. 
The last team here, surprising, but it's Virginia. I think Virginia is a is the best of the middle of the road teams in the ACC this year. Uh, they have, other than playing slow, they have been about under about as opposite Virginia as you could think they'd be. Uh, some stats here you, it might be shocking. They are the worst shooting free throw team in the ACC. They shoot sixty four percent as a team. Last place in the ACC. They're also last in rebounding. So that is two, I would consider, pretty critical categories that they are last place in. And especially for a team like Virginia, which we all know the style of play that they uh, that they play. Really slow. Minimize possessions. Minimize early shots. Use up all the shot clock. For, for a team that plays like that, where every possession is so vital to the success of, in particular, their offense, shooting 64% at the line and coming in last place in the league in rebounding is a recipe for disaster. They got destroyed by Notre Dame. and Me putting them this high might even be a little bit of a just disbelief that they're going to finish any lower than this with the, the great coach that they have in Tony Bennett, who I do think is a good coach. But they just do not have the talent and the players this year to play true Virginia basketball. Reese Beekman is a great player. I have nothing but respect for him. He's actually, I think, leading uh, one of the leaders in the league in assists right now, averaging, I think, over five assists per game at his size and type of player he is. Great. Uh, but we knew he didn't have kind of the scoring prowess, more of a defensive guy, which is great. But uh, you need to have a scorers on the team to win games. Uh, and, and they are just they are not set up to play their typical Virginia basketball this year. And I think it's going to show. I think they're going to lose some ugly games. I mean, they just lost to Notre Dame. Uh, that's about as ugly as they come. But I, I really don't see them competing with any of these top tier teams. So let's move it on. Top six, top six teams in the ACC. I think these teams are all a level above, the, of course, the bottom of the barrel teams, and I think they're a level above kind of these mid-range teams. Let's start out with maybe my surprise, who a team I've really liked watching this year, Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest is sneaky good this year. I think they have two awesome guards, uh, in particular Salas. I believe that's how you say his name, Salas. I think he could be a you know potential candidate for ACC Player of the Year. I think he's a great guard who right now is shooting about 48%, which is crazy as a guard to be shooting that high this you know many games into the season and I think uh, other they there's no other team that can say this but they have two players that are in the top 10 of ACC scoring and it's both of their guards I love watching teams with just two elite guards get after it I think that's what Duke could turn into later in this year um you know, besides the fact that we also have Kyle Filipowski down low. But I think Wake Forest have two really awesome guards that shoot the ball well. They play fast, free, pass the ball well. Uh, you know, just a lethal team that could show up and beat anybody. I do think this is a tournament team. I do think this Wake Forest is a tournament team. I'll predict that now. And if I was filling out my bracket today, I would have them upsetting some people and maybe going far into the tournament. I love the way they play. I think they're the perfect March Madness upset team. They can shoot, they can run, they can score, and they're guard-led. I've loved watching Wake Forest this year. Uh, next up, finishing fifth, I believe. Or no, that's fourth. Sorry, fourth. 
I've got uh, Miami. This is typical Miami. I don't have too much to say about Miami. Jim Laranaga, awesome coach. I love playing Miami every year. I think they stretch Duke every time they play him, especially last year when they destroyed us at, that, at Miami. But this is typical Miami plus Norchadomir. They, they run really – they play really fast. Best offense in the ACC, I think shoot a ton of threes, make a ton of threes. The difference with them this year is that I'd say their best player is a center, typically not the deal with uh, most Miami teams, and I think having that good of a big man could be huge for them later in the year. Uh, watch out for Miami. They're, we know who they are. We, we know their identity. We know they're going to be good. I think what this is going to be, they're going for three straight years, reaching an Elite Eight. Miami is going to win a national title one of these years. Um, I, I don't think that's totally out of the question. Uh, even for them this year, uh, I, I think Miami is a great team, and they can surprise people. All right, we're moving to the top three. These are big teams. Top finishing third, I've got Clemson. Uh, Clemson, surprise not really surprised if you look at preseason rankings uh, from a lot of people in the know. But uh, Clemson is a great all-around team, and I think what separates the top three teams from even the teams below, uh, including Miami, I think is that Clemson has multiple stars on their team. Uh, I would consider Hall and Gerard two stars of the ACC, and I think that they, as Gerard kind of even gets more in that system, I think he hasn't even fully mended into – into the team and I think once he does Clemson will be even better than where they are uh, and I think you know they they have more stars than any of the team below them have I would argue uh, and and I think they're a great all-around team I think they're pretty well coached uh, if I have a question about Clemson it's that I don't know how the coaching staff will respond uh, to coaching this style of team where you have, I think, two obviously best players. And at the end of game, when the going gets tough and you're down by two and you maybe want to get a three, maybe want to get a two, you know, when Brad Burnell is calling that play, does he know, does the coaching staff know, or is the roster going to know, hey, Hall or Gerard need to be the one initiating this play? It drives me crazy watching some teams play that are not used to playing without stars. And it's like the final minutes of the game and your your freshman role player coming off the bench is the one bringing the ball up the court with 20 seconds to go. Clemson needs to know. And when the going gets tough, clutch situation, it's Hall or Gerard, and that's it. And you know, when you're a team like Duke and North Carolina and even Miami – you know they're used to having these star caliber players where everyone on the team knows, everyone in the stands know, everyone on the bench and the coaching staff knows. These are our guys. If we need a bucket, we're going to one of these two or three guys. Uh, Clemson is not used to having that level of star caliber player, and I I don't know if that coaching staff um is how they're going to handle that. Uh, are they going to have the foresight and the uh, the wisdom perhaps to uh? to become one of these coaches or have this coaching mentality of get the bars ball to our stars and everybody else get out of the way. I, I just don't know if, if in big games they'll have the ability to do that right away. Now, I think in uh, minor games, I don't see them dropping a lot of uh, stupid games to really bottom-of-the-barrel teams just because of how good they are all around. But against top-tier talent, against your Dukes, against your North Carolinas, against your Miamis, against even Wake Forest – at the end of the game, when you're up one and you need a stopper or you need a point or anything, 
what's the coaching staff going to do with this roster? They've already had some losses this year where the one in Memphis comes to mind where, you know, when they needed a bucket, you know, Hall or Gerard doesn't touch the ball on the offense. And that's just inexcusable. That kind of stuff can't happen for Clemson. And if it does happen a bunch, they're going to lose a lot of these big games. But I think if they can get that under control, they have one of the best teams in the ACC and could easily walk out and win the thing. I think any of these top three or four teams could win the ACC regular season. Wouldn't be surprised at all if Clemson uh, shows up and does that. Coming in second, I've got North Carolina. Uh, you know, always hard to say great things about North Carolina, being a big fan of Duke. But I think uh, I actually think their transfers, for the most part, have worked out. I think Cormac Ryan is a great addition. I think Elliot Cadeau got so much hype in the preseason, and I don't think enough people realized what type of player he was and what type of player he wasn't. He's not going to be this guy that scores 12 a night or, you know, 15, 16 a night which I think is what a lot of people were expecting. I think he's an assist guy. He's shown the ability to be a great playmaker. My question for them is, is that really what they need this year? Um, I know he pairs really well with RJ Davis, who's a guy who's been playing out of his mind to start the year. Uh, But because North Carolina is so bad defensively, I think they're going to need a lot of offense to overcome that. And I wonder if... When Cadeau is getting the majority of minutes at that one point guard role, are they going to have the scoring with just Baycott and Davis taking the you know taking the vast majority of the shots? And of course, you know uh, their depth is something that really concerns me. God forbid anything happens to Baycott or Davis, I think they're dead in the water if that happens. You know, let's say Davis has to miss five games. You could see him losing all five of those games. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I think they're a great team. I, I think North Carolina and Duke are back to being the top of the conference uh, after a wacky last year. Um, I think they're good. I think they're as good as anybody. I think they could, you know, they are a team that could easily win the regular season and nobody would be too, too shocked. Um, but I do think of these top four or five teams, they have the biggest glaring weakness. I just think they have the talent to overcome it if everybody can stay healthy. Uh, their de- their defense is that weakness, by the way. I think against teams with big guards like Duke, they're really going to struggle. Elliot Cadeau, I think, is about 5'10", 5'11", and so is R.J. Davis. He's, I think, listed at 5'11". When you play Duke and you got a guard, Tyrese Proctor, who's 6'5", and even Jeremy Roach, who's like 6'2", that's a lot of size to be able to handle. And I think that was their problem last year is that they could score, but they just could not defend anybody. And they lost Leaky Leaky Black, who was known for his defense and his rebound and his athleticism. I don't think they replaced him this year, which uh, as good as some of their transfers have been and some of their young guys, don't think there's a Leaky Black out there that's just a great defender. Uh, So I think their defense has the potential to be worse than last year's defense, which I think is really going to hurt them when they play elite competition. But I don't think they're going to be as stupid as they were last year and drop all the crazy games that they did. I see them definitely as a tournament team and a team that could pull out uh, the ACC if they can get timely defensive stops. Everybody stays healthy and their offense keeps clicking. That brings me to the top, and I had to put Duke here. As much as I you know, have just said, I think our season is kind of so-so to start the year. Duke is the most complete roster in the ACC. Uh, Proctor going down has helped the young guys, like I said, but there's just no denying Duke has by far the most talent on its team, and it should 
finish first in the ACC, and I am predicting here that they will win the ACC regular season, even though even saying that, I don't feel great about it because Duke historically has never been great at winning the regular season in the ACC. Uh, but maybe John Shire is here to put an end to that, and we're going to win a lot of ACC regular season titles. Um, I would say right now Duke's biggest weakness would either be one, uh, foul trouble on stars, especially Flip, has shown kind of a tendency uh, to pick up some stupid fouls early in games or early in halves. I think that's obviously a huge weakness. And then I think, I've said this all year, but three points showing up in big games, three point shooting being a positive for Duke in big games instead of a negative is, I think, the big key to this team. Whether we shoot the ball well in big games is going to determine everything for this team. I think any of the games that we've lost, uh, if you look at how we shot the ball from three, I think that's highly, highly indicative of our performance in that game. And unfortunately, most of Duke's big games this year, we've shot the ball poorly, even against Baylor, where we shot the ball from three percentage-wise pretty well. Most of that was Jared McCain. And that's okay. It can be mostly Jared McCain, but you just got to do that against more quality opponents. And... uh, Getting into ACC season, should uh, we should see opportunities for Duke to improve on that stat. So I'm going to quickly wrap up with some predictions on Coach of the Year and all the end-of-the-season awards. Uh, Coach of the Year, I'll keep this part pretty fast. I think it's going to be a surprise. I think Brad Burnell is going to win Coach of the Year for Clemson. I do think they'll win enough games, and they'll be kind of the story of the ACC this year. We know that the great coaches that are great every year never really win Coach of the Year. I think Clemson will be kind of the young upcoming team uh, that is going to impress a lot of people, maybe uh, uh, like be better than their expectation, and I think Brad's going to get coach of the year. Player of the year, as much as it pains me to say, this is how you know I'm unbiased. I know you won't like this. I think R.J. Davis is going to win ACC player of the year. He's averaging 21 points per game right now, which leads the ACC. I think the ACC voters love voting on uh, players for great programs like Duke, Duke and North Carolina and Miami, and I think R.J. Davis having the season he is right now, uh, he's might be my favorite to win it from this point on. Uh, now, most people would say Flip, you know, maybe had this award locked up at the beginning of the ACC season, not locked up, but he was definitely the favorite, and I think he is the best player in the ACC. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying R.J. Davis is better than even some of the guards on Duke. I think he's a great player. But I think I don't think he's better than Kyle Filipowski. I don't think Baycott is better than Filipowski. However, when it comes to winning player of the year, you want to have the stat padding and the, the ability to score at a high clip. And uh, I, I just think facts are that Duke has too many mouths to feed on the offense, which is a good thing for our team want to stress that this is a good thing for the team but I think Duke uh, has too many guys that are going to score 10 plus points a game Carolina doesn't have that I think it's primarily him and Baycott are the primary scorers and I think he'll rack up enough points and assist numbers to get the nod for player up the year our uh, regular season champs already said I'll, I'll go ahead and predict Duke even though I don't feel great about it uh, but I do feel better about where we're headed as a team and this is a big surprise ACC tournament champs this is kind of a fun prediction it you never know what the seeding is going to be injuries but i'm going to i'll throw it out there i'm going to throw out that uh, wake forest is going to win the acc tournament i think they have the two guards to do it i think they'll get hot at the end of the year and we'll see one of those performances where you know they're shooting 50 percent from three uh the last three games of the year in the acc tournament and they walk home win the acc tournament uh, which sets duke duke up uh, to be uh to maybe have some more motivation going into the ncaa tournament 
this year. All right, that is going to wrap it up, I think, for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Episode 14, I believe, of Duke Blue Central. Thank you for your all support. If you want to support the show, you can leave a rating wherever you're listening. Share it with any of your Duke fan friends. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter over at Duke Blue Central. I'll be coming at you soon. I'm recording another episode as soon as Duke plays Syracuse. So hopefully that episode will be in your inbox very shortly. Uh, but it's been great talking to you. Last but not least, go Blue Devils.